Welcome to the You Have a Body podcast. Two broads talking broadly about health. The physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual, and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to episode 61 of You Have a Body Podcast. What's up? What's up? Welcome to our, our this week's episode, which is um, animal-free foods. Yeah. We're talking about some some foods that don't have animals in them or were not made by animals and how you can make some choices around those things that are like actually sustainable for your body, hopefully. Yeah. But before we do that, we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> I'm <laughs> one of your hosts, Hannah Whitevin, owner of SoCon Fitness and Wellness. And I'm Lucia Holly, nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of EssentialOmnivore.com. Thanks for being here. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for tuning in on your whatever. If you're going for a run, that's great. Yeah. Ooh. Going for a walk, also great. In your car on the way to work? Yeah. Congrats. That's Morning awesome. commute. Love it. Just listening around? Maybe doing better. Maybe doing the dishes? Probably. Doing some chore you don't want to be focusing on? You can listen to something. You can yeah. listen to us. Yay. So how was your week? Um, week has been... Fine. Finally checked off um, a big to-do, which was, I was in a car accident back in July, and there were four total cars involved, and it was a total headache trying to get insurance to do anything, any of the four. Um, And my car was in the front, so um, for me, it was just a lot of damage to the back of my car, but it's still drivable, which was really helpful. It was, you know, best of any scenario, I guess, but it's been a chore to try and get everything set up for the car to get into the shop. So finally, Monday, car is now in the shop. I'm driving around a rental, and the rental's, like, very nice to drive. They're oh, they're always so nice. Yeah. You're like, maybe I should get a new car. Yeah, right? You're like, oh, wow, you don't have to feel every bump in the road, do you? So that's actually been really fun this week, It's just having, like, a new little zippy car to zip around in. Yeah, a little yeah. fancy one. Is it that, which which one is it, that little silver one? It's a Hyundai. Or oh, yeah. Hyun, Hyundai? Hyundai. Hyundai. <laughs> I don't know Hyundai. much about cars, but... Um, Josh has that car. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Just a little sedan. Yeah. Nothing fancy. They're like, oh, you have a CRV. You want a big SUV, like a big, big one? It's like, no. It's just me. It is yeah. just me. Please in that don't car. make me drive an SUV around this yeah. week. You guys don't even, you, it's like against the rental car, car policy to bring a dog in the car, too. So I'm like, it's literally just going to be me. I won't oh, be moving anything. Oh, it's against anything. the policy? For, yeah, for who I'm renting through, at least. So it's like, I, I did not follow that policy when yeah. I had my rental car. Well, Hazel sheds like no other yeah, dog I've ever true. met before, so there's no way I put yeah, it in there. Yeah, you couldn't get away with it. You'd no. have to like spend a bunch of money on getting it detailed afterwards. Oh my God, no thank you. Yeah, right now it's like $1.30 a day for me to rent it, so it's been sweet, very helpful. Anyway, so that's been a big focus of my week. How's your week? Um, Pretty good. I was at... Um, yes, yoga this weekend because I did a two-day uh, in-person trauma-sensitive yoga um, training. Yeah, yeah. With Jessa Walters. Yes, awesome. with Jessa who was on the podcast. Yes, and it was great. It was like it was long, but um, and you know mentally exhausting. Yep. But it was also empowering and invigorating, and this made me think about a lot of things. So. I haven't taken action on any of those things yet, but it has made me think about them. Do you feel like, are you thinking about things kind of from the gym perspective? Yeah. How to incorporate different principles? Yeah, like what ways can we make the gym more trauma-sensitive and Mm -hmm. trauma-informed? And also just like general practices with everybody. With people. (laughs) Yeah, like I think everything can be better trauma-informed. And uh, I've been experimenting with like using some of the principles with my improv, uh, my teenage improv students and my adult improv students and like just kind of experimenting with it and seeing how it feels. Yeah. Um, it's been really good. Like the biggest thing is just like, well, there's so many things, but the biggest thing I've been focusing on this week is offering choices. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying it 
Or maybe not, and that's okay too. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. It, and maybe you enjoy it at some times and you don't at other times. Exactly. Choices. Exactly. Um, so, and that's been really cool. I think that's really neat too to consider, and this is a dialogue that Hannah, you and I have had a lot before too, um, because this is not the first time you've been thinking about how to have a trauma informed right. approach, especially in the gym, but really like diving into or hearing you talk about diving into how to set up structure in something like a gym space where there needs to be structure and there needs to be directives involved but within that making choices yeah and jess and i talked about that a lot and i feel like the what's been awesome about it what the conclusion i've come to after doing the in-person training it sort of like clicked for me Mm. was um like the point of trauma sensitive yoga isn't to give you unlimited choices it's to like invite you into choices that were that are predetermined by the yoga instructor but are still choices right so it's not like oh do whatever you want because that can be really overwhelming um especially if you're not used to making choices for yourself it's like oh i'm inviting you to maybe try these two choices one of these or both or maybe a combination and i could totally do that Mm -hmm. and still keep everything safe and structured Mm -hmm. so i'm like okay i hear you i see you yeah that can be so helpful i think for so many like I feel like any population. Yeah. Yeah. Just having structured choices. Yeah. All people deserve yep. that kind of treatment yep. to have like invitation and choices and like sensitivity yeah. to their own space. Yeah. What? And that's just like not common in fitness at all. Like mm-hmm. if you go to like, oh, I won't even. It's just a, it someone, can be general. Like, it can just yeah. Be general. Someone yesterday was telling me about the, a class they took like that was held at uh, like a restaurant in uptown. It was like a, a local gym like mm-hmm. did a class there. And she said it was, like, so overwhelming because the instructor spoke so quickly and didn't didn't offer any modifications for any movement and was, at the end of class, this person went up to the instructor and said, like, I really struggled with the, how quickly you were speaking. And the instructor was like, well, this is how it is. Like, really defensive. Like, oh, this gosh. is how we do things. And yeah. this is our brand. And Get on the train or get yeah, off. And yeah. We'll boot and, you off. and, like, that's unfortunately how a lot of fitness is. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be because the uh, why? It, why would you ever What's need to hold it over somebody else? Like, mm-hmm. the, there's too many gatekeepers in the fitness world, and you just that's there's no point in that. It should be like, come on in, everybody. This is built for people, yeah, of all types, right? Otherwise, what are you building your business on? Mm-hmm. I see that with food and nutrition too. Like oh, right yeah. now, um, there are four group nutrition classes going, and. Everyone is in their first week of the nutrition challenge, and it's it's always so interesting to see how that first week goes. It's challenging for a lot of people. Other people, maybe they've done something similar before. You know, whatever. Everyone's going to have a different experience. Um, but it, yeah, it can just be so interesting where people feel really trapped and like, oh my gosh, I can't do this, or I already messed up, or this isn't feeling good, or this is feeling weird. And it's like, oh, let. Oh my God! <laughs> a bird just hit the window. <gasps> I hope it didn't die. Well, we'll find out. Wow. You may have heard that. I don't know if you did or not. It was like a big thunk. thunk. <laughs> anyway. um, people can feel really like it's all or nothing. And that's what it yeah. sounded like with that experience in that fitness uh, scenario that you just described. Yeah, where that's it, like so many fitness experiences. Where it's, it's like all or nothing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like let's bring in modifications. And I sometimes I wish, like I feel like when people hear that word modification, they're going to be like, oh, well. Yeah. something wrong with me to but, be modifying it's like no the beauty yeah. is that you bring in all the modifications and most people are modifying and honestly this the way that this training the way that I understood this training is like it's not even about calling anything a modification yeah and I tried it yesterday in the warm-up and it was awesome I was like basically we were in a down dog position like warming up and I was like, like in the gym yeah you can choose to stay in this down dog position and if you want play around a little longer or if you want to add in this arm movement you can reach up to the ceiling and reach under your body and like half the people chose to do it half the people sitting down dog and nice. I was like oh my god who would have known how frequently am I just like telling people to do stuff and never even considering what that they don't want to mm-hmm. I'm like oh, revolutionary or also that you're you're again it's setting up the precedent of inviting them to like kind of ask their body like what do you want right now body yeah because it might not even be that they do or don't want it it could just be that they now have that opportunity to be like hey what like let me be in that present moment with my body. Yeah. Instead of following a directive 
and having the opportunity to stay out of their body. Mm-hmm. And it's going to definitely take practice to integrate these things because yeah. it's just so we're so used to being like in positions of command or response. Um, that's just like how we manage the world, and especially I don't know. If some you're people, in a structured job setting, it's all about command and response. And some people are going to revolt to having like choices too, like those structured choices. Some people are. It's I feel like I see not even just in nutrition, just in general life. They're like, give me the directive because it's scary not to have it. Mm-hmm. Because now I have to be making that choice. Yes. Yeah, so things, progress, yeah. moving forward. <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, and then today I'm leaving for the Ragnar. So next week people, I'll have a full report on that. Let people know what Ragnar is for those who it's don't. A, well, we're doing the Ragnar trail run. So there are 16 of us from the gym who are doing it, two teams of eight. And you basically go, like, camp in the woods and run for, like, 36 hours. And you just rotate who's running. Nice. Yeah, and I don't know how many miles we end up running. Honestly, I am so underprepared for this, but it's okay. I did it last <laughs> year, and it was really fun. Yeah. Doing it again. I'm just hoping I don't, like, fall and break my ankle. It seems like it's a lot about, like, just doing it with, like, big group of people. It is. And having that group experience. Yeah. The yeah. group was on, like, on, we have a Facebook group, and someone was like, oh, do we have enough tents for us all to be sleeping at the same time? And I was like, um, I'm sorry. That is not my experience from last year. No. Last year, my experience was no sleep whatsoever for 36 hours. Yeah. And, like, cheering each other on and keeping each other motivated, trying to eat as best you can, and, like, catnapping here and there. I feel like 16 people need one tent where someone's just going to go crash for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. And then pop out, be like, oh, I'm ready. Yeah, I think I slept for, like, a total of an hour last year. Yeah. I was exa- I came home and I was like so exhausted. I went into the shower because you're ex- you're so filthy too. Yeah. I got into the shower and laid down on the on the bottom of the oh, shower. Oh, for sure. And but that the felt water amazing. just like wash over <laughs> me. And then I went to bed at, at I think like six o'clock and I slept till the next day at ten. Good. It was awesome. Well, when we chat next week, good thing we have an interview. You can just hang back, take yeah. it easy. A You'll full probably week. Be I hope I'm recovered a full week from now. But well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Depends what. Earlier in your weekday looks like. That's true. Especially after running, because you run three legs. You run like a three and a half mile, 7.8 miles, and then like a five point something. Right. Of trails. Of trails. Yeah. 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 So Which it's like up different. and down hills. Yeah. yeah. It's very different. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about it. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we leave this afternoon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whew. So let's talk about uh, meat-free foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Animal-free products. Animal-free fare. Some people <laughs> might have other phrases for them, like vegan, vegetarian, whatever products. Totally, yeah. And uh, I think so many products fall into being animal-free without even needing. It's like, like vegetables. It's like, well, like it's like the term gluten-free. It's yeah. like you see that on like like sea, vegetables. <laughs> yeah, or you see it on like sea salt, and you're like, okay. Well, they're, they're never, it never really had gluten. Yeah, although a lot of spices have gluten in them. They do. To keep them Spice from... Spice blends, yes. Yeah, to keep them from, like, connecting together, binding into, like, one chunk of a spice. Settling, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about a couple things. Like, well, what are some products that are out there that are, like, meat and egg and, and milk replacements? Mm-hmm. And, like, how can you make a good choice about those? Yeah, especially I don't know. I was a vegetarian for a super super long time, like from a young age, like somewhere between six and eight. I stopped eating meat altogether until I was twenty three, and during that time, I ate so many different types of meat replacements. And now there are even more mm-hmm. available, and I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I was just doing it because I was doing it. Yep, for sure. I was right. just doing it because it was available. My mom would buy Boca Burgers and Morningstar or whatever because that's what. She understood as a vegetarian, and that was easy for me to eat and, like, grab and make a lunch with. Yeah. So um, I didn't really know much about it, and I know a lot more now. <laughs> and I think it'd be worthwhile to talk about. Yeah, totally. Because I think with with any type of, like, dietary label, in the beginning, it's just about, like, seeking out those foods and, like, recognizing what it does and doesn't include. And then from there, I think, as the journey goes, which is what you're also talking about, too – is understanding, okay, how does this food actually feel in my body? And what is this food made out of? Yeah. That, that yes, it's like disincluding uh, meat products, animal products. So it can be vegetarian or vegan or whatever. But now how do the, like, what are those ingredients that yeah. are in it? This came up for me because um, Josh and I decided to kind of do a 
four-week challenge, like, for this month, basically, to every meal be Mm vegetable-based and, like, protein-supplemented, which I can't say for my breakfast this morning because it's literally just chicken and mushrooms. (laughs) Hannah's pulling chicken in her hand. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I have left in my fridge um, because I'm leaving for Ragnar today. But, um, so, we've... But I like when I was grocery shopping, I was looking through all the produce, obviously getting all this produce. But I also was like looking in the in the other protein, alternate protein area. Like maybe I could have a fully vegan meal that has some protein in it. But I was so curious about all the ingredients because like there is such a wide variety of what comes in vegan products or mm-hmm. vegetarian products. And like some of it is is definitely a stuff I'm. I have allergens. Yeah. Like, I'm allergic to. Sure. For sure. Yeah. So, what did you notice? So, I noticed that there are some, there are seven main meat replacement things that I've seen. First one is vital wheat gluten. Mm-hmm. That's in, like, a lot of products. Yep. Um, I would say that is the most common one. Uh, there's fermented soy. So, obviously, tofu or tofurkey or any of that stuff is all all in that soy product area. There's other soy isolates, like soy protein isolate. Mm-hmm. There's rice, oat, pea protein, which is, like, almost... I think I only saw, like, one product that had a pea protein base. And then jackfruit. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I saw the most of. Yeah, makes sense. So, grains, legumes... Right? Yeah. They're going to make some biggies. Yeah. And there's things that are like, there were a lot of like bean burgers and things like that, but they still had like vital wheat gluten as their number one ingredient. It's actually, it's really interesting from a personal standpoint. Um, A lot of my family members are vegetarian and or now vegan. And my dad is a vegan and we kind of have butted heads in the past even though really at the end of the day, like 95% of everything that we eat is the same stuff for the same reasons. Um, but he's been having, I just visited him earlier this week, and he's been having, it's his mission to make his own veggie burger that he can make into patties, put in the freezer, and then pull out and use just like a Boca burger. And, or, you know, what whatever types of uh, vegan patties are out there. But yeah, Boca's can be kind of a, a typical standard one. But he showed me a product that he had bought and He's such a sweet, kind of like old-fashioned hippie. Yeah. <laughs> he bought it. He was like, this is one I heard really great things about. And then he was like, but look at the ingredients. And I was am- I was amazed because it's, it's a type of product that I don't like pick up in the store very much to turn around and look at the ingredients because I'm like, it's just not going to fit the bill for me. I, I kind of get it. But having that close-up for the ingredient list... There were over 40 ingredients Yeah, in, I mean, a, in a veggie burger where you're like, oh, no, the name is so different than, than yeah. what actually, like, are the constituents. I mean, that- there's nothing, like, pious about these companies. Just like every other company that processes food, mm-hmm. they're doing this, like, in a mass market way. Like, Boca, Morningstar, they're doing it to make money off of the, like, off of a market. Like, yeah. they found a niche market yeah. and they've dominated the market. That doesn't mean just because it's vegan or vegetarian that it has anything to do with like cleanliness or or like it's not even organic it's not mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing about it besides like calling it vegan or vegetarian that would indicate that it follows some sort of like protocol for cleanliness and food and i want to i had some hesitation about doing this episode because it's it's tough for me to throw around the word vegan a lot because i'm not someone who's had experience with that way of eating for whatever reason, just throwing that out there too. But I want to, it's similar to what I see with like the term gluten-free in supermarkets where you could have the most processed bag of food and it can be gluten-free. So people are using that as a marketing term and equating or recognizing that most people are going to equate that term with health exactly. or healthful. Exactly. Instead of understand or instead of respecting the fact that maybe that it's just gluten-free is only one part of a larger equation yeah. for what our bodies are going to respond to. And, like, veganism and vegetarianism are totally great choices for people. Um, and that that has nothing to do with, like, really what we're talking about, which is that products that are made and specifically designed for vegans and vegetarians are not really always following a very strict protocol on, like, what they include and maybe often contributing to people's inflammation or discomfort like especially if you're sort of new to the world of veganism and vegetarianism 
or you're doing it um, for moral reasons, but you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about like the implications for your specific health or kind of playing around with it, mm-hmm. you might be eating something that you don't even realize is like super highly inflammatory because it's marketed as being healthier because it's marketed towards vegans and vegetarians. Right. It's like a kind of a a tricky thing because like there's choosing a vegan vegetarian health a lifestyle can be very healthy mm-hmm. if you're eating like a ton of vegetables and you're getting in like maybe you're eating some beans and that's okay for you yeah if, and, it's, like, a, if it's authentically plant-based yeah, exactly if it's genuinely plant-based yeah and if you get into these other um alternatives maybe they're okay for you sometimes but maybe there's some that you like really need to avoid mm-hmm. so how can you be smart about that mm-hmm so let's talk about vital wheat gluten. Okay. <laughs> First of all, why is it called vital wheat gluten? Like, what does that mean for it to be called vital wheat gluten? I think it's because it's, it's it, I don't know, so you'd have to look it up, but I would assume it's because of, it's like the essence of wheat gluten. <laughs> of gluten. It's, yeah. It's the, it's the protein, which is why people are bringing it in. Gluten is what is in wheat flour. So think of all those beautiful bread products where they have a nice texture to them. They stay together. They don't get crumbly. Um, you know, they, they're spongy, right? They they feel good when you're chewing them. That development of texture is made with gluten and the types of proteins that are... Gluten is like an umbrella term. So there are different actual types of proteins that encompass that term. Um, but it's it's a it's a strong protein structure mm, and it yeah, it can binds really well it binds really well so with bread when there's a yeast action and there's air pockets being created it can withstand that type of transformation um, while keeping a good texture or a pleasant mouthfeel texture yeah um, so I'm assuming that with vital wheat gluten what they're really looking for is a strong Binder or something that's going to have a good mouthfeel when someone's chewing into it, trying to replicate the mouthfeel of, of a meat protein. Yes. Because it's a strong protein. Yeah. So that is the most common one that I saw on backs of packages. Mm-hmm. If you look online and you look up like top vegan vegetarian meat replacement products, you'll see Vital Wheat Gluten is like the top product. In fact, there's a place in Minneapolis that's like a vegan butcher shop that the, all of their products are made of Vital Wheat Gluten. Totally. And it's really smart that they would do that because that's going to most closely replicate that texture sure. of a meat protein. Yeah. But if you're gluten sensitive, you are basically eating your sensitivity like in the most high dosage you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, you're distilling it down to the most sensitive version that you can have and then just like filling your body with it so obviously celiacs are going to yep. struggle with that yep uh anyone who has an, an intolerance to gluten but also just like generally people are going to struggle with having a high a diet that's like con- consists of a lot of that weak gluten mm-hmm. And um, I would say, yes, for sure, someone who has, like, a diagnosed issue with gluten, celiac, um, even gluten intolerance, for sure. But really, anyone that might fall into that category of having a digestive system that's a little um, muted or tamed because of, usually because of stress and, like, that standard American diet, that's, I think, a big reason why a lot of people have problems with gluten at all, because it is, like, there are studies and articles coming out, like, oh, God, why is everyone, why is everyone reacting to gluten? What's going on? And they're just equating that the gluten is bad, or quote-unquote bad, when a lot of times it's because that someone's digestive system has been irritated or stressed out for such a long time or it's not getting the signal that it can um, kind of get up the gall to be digesting something like a, a gluten protein, which is big and difficult to digest for a mm-hmm. lot of people. So it's like it's underactive digestive systems yeah. or a digest- digestive system that's trending towards potentially maybe leaky gut syndrome. So mm-hmm. it's inflamed and irritated. If you put gluten onto that fire, okay, that's going to be a little difficult. Yeah. And that, I think that can be a big reason. That's something I try to talk about in group classes where it's like, gluten isn't bad per se. It's just another food. Some people yeah. are just fine with it. But if we're really looking to support digestion, it might be something that will need to come out for even a period of time. Right. Just to, like, if you're going to switch to a vegan vegetarian diet because you want to maybe tame the way your body feels like, improve your gut health, whatever probably don't go for that right away but maybe introduce it a little bit later on and see how it feels yeah and have it, that if someone is coming to look at 
a dietary change for whatever reason, I think it can be really helpful to essentially start with an elimination diet. Yeah. Even though that sounds scary and restrictive, it's just, if you want to be putting time and effort into this, start low and slow. Take out a lot of those kind of big offender foods. Not that they're bad, just that they can be tough for a lot of people. Yes. Take them out. And then start with that as your basis and then bring in foods methodically so you can really know. Maybe vital wheat gluten is in your wheelhouse. Maybe and you want to eat up that tofurkey dog or like whatever. Cool. But it can be helpful to know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the other the other thing I want to talk about that I see a lot is fermented soy mm-hmm. or so soy protein isolate, which or just, shows up in a couple of different or just soy. Just soy. Yeah. All three variations show up in a lot of of meat substitutes. I would say a lot of unfermented soy too. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah, fermented soy would be like if it was just straight tofu. So tofu actually isn't fermented. There there are a few brands that seem to be fermenting it now. Oh, but fancier ones, perhaps. <laughs> yes. So that's actually a differentiation that I think can make tofu, or excuse me, can make soy products more digestible for a lot of yeah. people, are the fermented options, which are going to be things like tamari, a yeah. gluten-free soy sauce, um, miso paste, um, and tempeh. Those are kind of those three biggie fermented. Yes, tempeh. Yes. yes. Whereas tofu um, and soy milk are not fermented. You know, that's funny because, like, when I've tested stuff out, um, miso has been, like, not a problem at all for me. Like, and in fact, my body seems to enjoy it. Um, but, like, soy milk I cannot handle. Yeah. And, like, that pure soy stuff. So that fermented soy seems to be kind of fine. And natto, for anyone who wants to try that. Natto? Yeah. What's that? It's uh, it's just fermented soybeans, but they're actually in like more of the bean form. Ooh! And they, uh, they're just anyone who hasn't seen it before should Google images. It's really, I mean, it's tasty and scrumptious. It's very has that umami flavor that um, fermented soy is gonna get, but um, <laughs> they they're just like little stringy bits between the beans that looks really cute in photos. Oh, N A D O. N A T T O. Natto. Now I'm looking it up because I have to know. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, weird. I've seen this before for sure. Yeah. So, but it's an option that can work for a lot of people. And I think if you, if you are able to keep in um, fermented soybeans, they're a really beautiful source of different vitamins and minerals, especially B vitamins um, and different amino acids. So also very important is to be getting in a wide array of amino acids, mm-hmm. which are breakdowns of proteins. And if someone is eating a vegetarian or really vegan style of eating without reinforcing enough plant material, I think it's easy for a lot of people to get deficient in proteins and quality proteins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so those might be a good option if you if you kind of like play around. Uh, maybe not straight soy, depending on your gut. Mm-hmm. But uh, then the other things we see quite a bit of are rice and oat flour sure. and, and sometimes even like potato starches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, we kind of come always back to the same thing, which is like you got to test it out for you and make sure it works for you. Yeah, right. Those proteins may be a little bit more easily digestible for folks in general, but you still never know unless you try. Yeah, yeah. Grains can be tough. Gluten can be even tougher. Gluten's gonna fall under the you know header of it's coming from a grain. So even gluten-free grains like the rice. Um, and oats can be tough for some people, can be fine for others. Those are also ones that will fall under um, being like dairy alternatives. So like yes. an oat milk or a rice yep. milk. Um, I'm, I'm shrugging because it's, it's going to vary a lot depending yeah, on the depending person. On you are. And also I think some stuff can be dose dependent. For me, I can do like that fermented soy. I have tamari at home. I prefer it over coconut aminos from a taste profile. Um but if I put that on my food every single day, I don't, I don't, I feel a little not as great. Right. If it's just coming in here and there, cool. So I think that can be a way to think about grains for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, is rice milk, like... Maybe you don't drink eight, eight ounces of it, but you'd like toss it into your coffee. Yeah, maybe not rice milk soup every day. Yeah. But maybe it's, it's your go-to option when you're out at a coffee shop and that is their alternative yeah, and milk. We'll talk about milks in yeah. just a second. The last... The like meat replacement thing I want to talk about. I said the best for last. <laughs> jackfruit. Jackfruit. Hey, that's so cool. Yeah. Jackfruit is not a grain. Tell us what it is. Well, it's it's a fruit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fruit, but it has a meaty texture, and it's like very, it's very thick. 
in the way that you eat it, it tastes like it has the same texture as meat. It certainly doesn't have its own flavor of meat, but whatever you cook it in, you will it'll sop it up pretty nicely. I think of all these options, it's really the least processed. Yes. So, so of all of them, I think it's the most authentically vegan. Right. Because it's a it's a, a plant food. Exactly. It's a plant food. And also now there are companies that are making jackfruit meats, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. And like that is that is definitely a newer development. Um, because I think now companies are recognizing there's this there's this double niche market that is um, gluten and soy free vegans, yep. vegetarians, which are becoming more popular because a lot of people are choosing a vegan vegetarian lifestyle to manage um, illness or things like that. Mm-hmm. Same if you would choose, like, a ketogenic lifestyle. You might choose vegan, vegetarian. Like, uh, like I know some people who have Hashimoto's that, that do vegan lifestyle with, like, no gluten and soy. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, people who are dealing with other inflammatory diseases or... Um, or just wanting to feel good. Yeah, just wanting to feel good. Yeah. People, lots of people just wanting to try it out. Yep. But as we become more informed on our own bodies and, like, what nutrition actually is and where food actually comes from... More and more people are choosing those lifestyles as well as choosing, like, a gluten-free, soy-free lifestyle. Yep. And that is, like, that is hard to do. It's hard to do if you're going to buy all your food in the store or if you expect anything to come quickly. Or to, yeah, come in a package. Yeah, to come in a package. It's easier to do if it's just the vegetables. Just the vegetables. And then maybe a just cooking, the beans. Yeah, just, cooking oil or two. And yeah. then, like, grains or pulses, depending on what feels okay. Yes. Um, and then, so jackfruit's becoming like a more, a slightly more popular thing that you'll see in actual products. Like I saw barbecued jackfruit the other Dang. day. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I bought it cause I was like so curious and I was like thinking about this episode, um, and cooked it up and it was like, you know, it was really good. I could, I, I knew it wasn't meat. Like I could tell it wasn't meat, but it was a delicious little barbecue treat. Yeah. Of course you have to watch out for things, other things in there like sugars. There was definitely a little bit of sugar in there. Um, and maybe there's some other additives that could be irritated to you, just depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely an interesting thing to think about if you're like in that area and you're wondering about it. I would give jackfruit a little try and just see if you prefer it over a different meat substitute or if it treats you any differently. Yeah. I think all those types of new products coming out, I'm so, <laughs> I wish I were, I think you have to be like an influencer or like have your own company in order to go to these, but there's there's a like the newest kind of alternative foods of the year. All the vendors go to Expo West or Expo East, and then you can go there, like sign up to go to these expos and go taste all the foods. I want that. It would be so, the Expo East just happened and West happened like earlier in the spring. I it's so cool to see all those products. Like, as much as I don't, I'm always like, eh, I don't want to spend the money for this product or that product. Just knowing what's, like, yeah. coming out there and different processes that people are using. So cool. Yeah. So, so cool. Super so cool. I, I bet there was barbecue jackfruit there. Yeah. Or, like, there the next. There was. Like, what's going to be level up from that? I don't know. And another thing that's becoming, that's coming out more, and these are more, I've noticed, like, vegan and vegetarian products that you can order online. Yeah. there's a lot you can order online Right. Now. Um, not as much in the grocery store, maybe. There's a lot more stuff being made with garbanzo beans, too, mm-hmm. um, and things that are a little bit more tolerable for most people or things that, like, you know, are, are super bean-based or, mm-hmm. you know, a wide variety. So it would definitely be worth looking into. If you're trying to do this, and um, it, it's worth doing some investigating, figuring out if you're going to buy processed products, which you're welcome to do and, oh, like, nice. are fun to do sometimes, and investigate and determine which one's going to not make you feel like a piece of garbage afterwards like physically in pain or uncomfortable or I will say if you want to make did I talk about this last week I feel like marshmallow yeah yeah you did (laughs) and you know what that's your homework if you haven't done that and you're into getting a little bit of honey or sugar there's there's yeah I have like four cans four cans of garbanzo beans in my house right now and like I walked downstairs and I was like oh my god they're after Ragnar treat yeah (laughs) so I'm gonna definitely do that and I'm gonna make because I make these carob brownies, which yeah. are awesome. They're just, yeah. like, carob and nut butter and, and, like, coconut flour. Yeah. Um, with some of that garbanzo bean marshmallow fluff on top. I think that'd be a pretty decent little treat. Just, just don't over-whip it. Don't think the more you whip it, the stiffer and stiffer it's going to get. It no. is different than, um, like, gelatin it or It would just break whites. apart. It breaks apart and then turns back into a liquid. Speaking from experience. I could throw a little gelatin in there to make sure it didn't happen. You could. Yeah. Very true. Um, speaking of gelatin... Before we get to milks, let's talk about egg replacements. <laughs> okay. What? 
<laughs> um, I recently went through a period of not eating any eggs whatsoever. Yep. And six weeks of no eggs. And I had to find lots of ways to sub out eggs for things I wanted to make that normally include eggs. Like, there's tons of recipes that normally include eggs. Like, Especially coming from kind of like a paleo-primal yeah. slant. Yeah, paleo-primal, they love eggs. Eggs and coconut flour are like the go-to And keto combo. as well, they also yeah. like that. I mean, there is definitely, um, there are like books and books and websites and all this stuff for people who do follow like the SCD diet, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about next week actually with our <laughs> guest and producer, Taj Ruler. Woohoo! Um, but people who are on a more specific hypo- hypoallergenic diet, there's lots of egg-free recipes. Um, but if you just look up a standard recipe, like I looked up zucchini fritters, like tons of eggs in those. Yep. So what are some things that you could choose? Um, tapioca starch, mm-hmm. potato starch, mm-hmm. flaxseed meal. Chia seed meal. Chia seed meal. Or chia seeds that you uh, water. You, <laughs> you soak. If you water your chia <laughs> well, seeds. <laughs> well, if you water them, then you've got a chia pet. Yeah, soaked <laughs> chia seeds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would love to have a chia pet again. <laughs> oh man, um, you can make a little egg with a with a little bit of olive oil, water, and baking soda. Mm-hmm. You can make you can use applesauce or bananas. Right, and sometimes an, to egg, an egg. An egg is going to be often kind of what these replacements are getting at. Not for like a, a thing of scrambled eggs, but yeah, using them as a uh, eggs are being used as a binder. Yes. In a lot of like baked goods um, or goods that are heated up or mixed together. Yes. They help keep everything together yeah so if you're like obviously i wasn't just eating these for breakfast um <laughs> like just a flaxseed of gelatin egg you can make a little gelatin egg yeah um but and they're really really great if you're not eating eggs and you want to make something like a pancake mm-hmm. for example or mm-hmm. something that would bo- would need to be bound together mm-hmm. um and then cooked i would and like for example you could use those in in a cookie um or yeah anything that would be baked or fried i would say yep. or you know uh have to undergo some sort of heat or if you want it to stick yeah, together at all. You're making some sort of like a batter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, there are like lots of other egg replacers that you can find in the store that are that are come in liquid form. Mm-hmm. Those generally aren't quite the same. And there there we go again, where it's if, if we're making something in our kitchen, it's likely going to be much less processed and it's more of like a put together recipe, yeah. right? Like put some flax seeds with water and let it sit and then add it into your batter right. versus a product that needs to be shelf stable and is in a package, so likely has some stabilizers put in there because of those reasons. Exactly. Or could be made from uh, the, a similar product as the meat products. Like you might find liquid vital exactly (laughs) Um, but if you make it at home it's super easy like actually what I got was I just got it from the co-op but I found it also is at Target and at uh, was at Cub Foods as well is um, there's one called Energy Egg Replacer and that's like literally potato starch and Mm -hmm. tapioca starch and then I have one that's just called Egg Replacer and it's like flaxseed meal and tapioca starch Mm -hmm. and then when I ran out of that I just started using flaxseed meal and tapioca starch on my own which comes in bulk at co-ops and so it's really easy to use right economically it's kind of a an easier choice too once you get comfortable with that style as well exactly and that can be great for anyone like maybe you just are sensitive to eggs and you don't want to eat them a ton but you want to eat them sometimes but in your stuff that you're going to cook with, you don't necessarily need the eggy flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so go ahead and just toss some flaxseed meal in there with a mm-hmm. little bit of water. Yep. It makes like a sticky paste and then you just throw it in your food. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who's pretty, I'm pretty much egg free. I'll, you know, eat them when I go out basically. But yeah. I'm Cause not... you go to, a, you go to a restaurant and there's like either have like a grain based breakfast, a milk based breakfast or an egg based breakfast. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> So I won't really eat them as like a main source of protein. And I, I will do if I do bake. Like I I feel pretty good if I know, okay, there's an egg in this whole batch yeah, of things fine. for me that with my body, that's okay. But it's so nice to know. I think at the end of the day, all this is about options. Yes. It's like, all right, w- yeah, if you want another option, here's another one. They're not better or worse. They're just going to be probably a little bit different and maybe have a bit of a different flavor profile. So if you're comfortable with that, go ahead and play around with them. Exactly. Flax seeds are great. Get them in. Yeah. Why not? So the last thing that I want to talk about is replacement milks because I feel like there is this thing that happens, and this definitely happened to me, where when you start to get rid of dairy or you've gotten rid of dairy altogether, but you're like, sometimes I want like a decaf latte or sometimes Treat I just yourself. want, yeah, or sometimes I just want like a cup of coffee or whatever, decaf or tea with like a little bit of milk in it. 
At home, you have tons of choices. You can choose whatever you want when you buy from the store. But when you go out, every place is going to have a different offering mm-hmm. for their milk alternative. So when they offer it, like my brain goes a million miles an hour trying to determine if that's a milk alternative I'm willing to try. Um, so first of all, can we talk about like generally when you have a milk alternative, like what can you expect in terms of content of like water versus the actual product itself? Mostly water. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like marketing and like business economics and they're marketing it as a milk and not as a cream. So right. it's going to be, you're mostly going to be buying water. And typically there's an upcharge for a, a, a dairy replacement in the future. Yeah. Like a latte or it's an extra 50 cents or whatever. Absolutely. So. Um, so yeah, you're going to find something that has mostly milk. It also has canola oil in it usually, or some oil in it usually. Like a safflower. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's also in a very small dosage. Right. And that's, again, often for a mouthfeel mm-hmm. to have <clears throat> fat. You know, think about like uh, milk when it's homogenized or you've, shaking it up those fat globules are strewn throughout the liquid itself and that's because we enjoy that taste of something that's fattier on our tongue so if they're using an option like soy which is not going to have fat in it they are going to be adding in some source of fat typically a cheaper one often with a lot of companies because money right end of the day money business um they'll be adding in a fat to replicate the mouthfeel of dairy because dairy is going to have fat in it naturally yes so those are definitely going to be for things like oat and soy milks, um, rice milk, same thing. Yep. Um, quinoa milk. Yeah. Hemp. Um, well, I guess not hemp milk. Hemp is going to be hemp will higher. be a little fattier. Yeah, higher yeah. fats. The more the yeah the fattier ones that might be less likely to have the oil might be like flax, mm-hmm. um, hazelnut, hemp. Yeah, any nut or seed. Co- yeah, coconut, almond. I don't know if there's, like, walnut milk. There probably is. You, and you can make your own nut milks and see yes. very easily at home. Yes, so you, you can, can get, make your own nut milk. Get fancy with those bulk pistachios and make yourself some pistachio milk or cream and feel like a queen. Yeah, that sounds so good. Right? So when you go out and you're, like, trying to determine this or if you're buying from the store, like, what are some priorities you can make for yourself? Like, I would, I would argue to go for the nut seed variation first if it's an option unless you know or you have experience with the fact that nuts and seeds are not something you can have allergen wise right or if you're on an autoimmune protocol right yes if you're trying to get rid of those things well you already know if you don't, you don't get to have special treats right now it's gonna well <laughs> of, you, you of can milks. yeah it, but it's, it's a lot of this is gonna bile bile mm, that will be another subject yeah. bile i do actually do want to talk about that coming up soon um but it's gonna boil down to what your body needs in the yeah. moment And really that can, I think it can feel like deprivation where someone's like, I can't go out or I can't do this. But I always want to challenge people. Well, recognize what you are saying you can do right now too. You're saying I can do a a challenge or I can explore a new way of eating because I'm looking for these added in potential benefits of feeling better, sleeping better, or feeling like you can manage your stress. So I don't know. That's... I just wanted to throw that out there, too. Yeah. So it's going to obviously vary for mm-hmm. everybody. But it, I think it would be helpful just to have, even if you know ahead of time, like, what your options potentially could be, if you make, like, a list of priorities in your brain. Uh, like, for example, I am I know that I don't want soy milk. No matter where I go, I just know it's going to give me a stomach ache because I don't want it. Yeah. I've never tried oat milk, but, like, oats in general don't bother me. Sure. So if I'm feeling a little free and fancy, I might try an oat milk. Yeah. I don't know. I still haven't tried it yet. but It's great. Yeah, coconut milk, um, almond milk, those are all... Hazelnut milk, never had a problem with those. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Would be willing to put them in my mm-hmm. drink and enjoy them the and o- lust over them. The other factor to consider when you're looking at dairy options and you're eating out, again, I feel like a lot of this is like coffee shop kind of stuff. Yep. Um, recognize that even if you have like an unsweetened almond milk at home and that the feels really good not, for you, theirs are not. Most of the time, they're, they're yeah, they're trying to please a, a wider palate of people and people who probably aren't looking at sugar as a factor. And we haven't spoken about that from a vegan standpoint. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I've noticed is when people are shifting. Uh, even some people like in challenges right now who are really recognizing, oh my gosh, I've been eating a lot of these foods that are considered vegan. Um, but they still have this added food that now I know is more pro-inflammatory, yeah. which is sugar. Absolutely. And now when I want to take that out, that even further 
challenges, the options that are given to me at yeah. places like coffee shops. Absolutely. You can, you can pretty much assume that if they have a milk replacement, it is a sugar-based one. Mm-hmm. Like, it has sugar in it. Right. Because if you try, like, at home I drink a lot of, um, like, I use cashew milk, mm-hmm. like, unsweetened cashew milk. It tastes like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I like it for the creaminess aspect. It's a great replacement. It's, it's um, less offensive than coconut milk in a savory dish, mm-hmm. for example. But like it tastes like absolutely nothing. Right. If you're if you're having co- cashew milk that tastes like vanilla, it has been sweetened right. for sure. Which is just good to know, so you're not thinking like, oh, I'm quitting sugar and so I can replace it with this. Mm-hmm. That might not be the case unless you've bought it yourself. Right. And you can always ask too. Go ahead, be that. Just you can be I do. whatever I always you ask. want. Ask to see the the container. They'll hand, Ask it, to they'll see hand it right to you. The carton. It's cool. It's usually right there. Exactly. No problem. And you know what? Like sometimes you see it and you're like, yeah, this is a sweetened version. Um, and I see that like sugar is eighth on the list, and I'm still gonna like take a little splash of this in my mm-hmm. coffee because that's my choice to make. Totally. But it's just good to be informed about your options. Right. So I think it's it's really easy to be. Um, to just think of it like food falls into two categories, which is like bad and good, healthful and not healthful. Um, but even healthful foods or things that are like may fall into that category can be complicated for you. Or maybe some of the things that you would put in the not healthful category actually are really healthful for you. So once again, we're back to you have a body podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and what can be interesting is I think a lot of people over time will try different metrics of health. They'll try different um, protocols or different styles of eating or diets, whatever. And at the end of those, if you compile all of them, it can be frustrating where people are like, well, this works on one challenge that I've done, but it doesn't work here and it worked there. And why does it do that? And why does it do that? Often, if we can really like put together the foods that for majority's sake are staying in on those mm-hmm. challenges, I think consider those the core foods yeah and they're like it's it's okay for those to be core foods because most of the time it's going to be plants yeah plants yep that's right plants and even with within that there are going to be styles of eating like aip the autoimmune protocol you're taking out things like tomatoes and potatoes taking out quite a few of those plants and yeah sweet potatoes and yeah well those would stay in I took them way the heck out yeah those would stay in for someone who's doing like a strict aip but exactly a lot of people take out sweet potatoes for something like a ketogenic diet which is gonna be different than a paleo diet which is different than vegan and we're back yeah circle full circle to you have a body yeah so i mean like i just think it's important to mention that there's nothing wrong with choosing a vegan vegetarian lifestyle in fact it can be really great for people yeah it's just good to recognize that just because something is called vegan or vegetarian doesn't mean it's automatically healthful Mm -hmm. because that is not the point of the product the product is just to make the money Mm -hmm. Like, that's what products are. So, you know, play the game as thoughtfully as you would any other way. And respect the businesses. I mean, like, they're in it to make money, so don't don't put it on them to be, you know, supporting you in your health journey. Seriously, I think that can set you – I think that can set a lot of people free. If you recognize that it is on them to be in charge of their health because – no one else is going to care about your health as much as you do, and that's okay. Yeah, and it doesn't help to, like, hold this anger at something that you can't control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, well, it seems unfair that this. Like, I see that all the time on yeah. the nutrition groups. I know you do, too. People are like, see, this is so unfair. And I'm like, yeah, but they're making the money from it. Like, they understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So you could just get to make choices, and then eventually, if enough of us make those choices, those products will change. Yep, Exactly. And you can see that now. I mean, it's so cool. I don't list on the shopping list for the nutrition challenges that I've run that um, coconut oil potato chips are on challenge. Five years ago, that wasn't a product. But yeah. there's enough demand from enough little microcosm niche ways of eating. Yeah, and there's and avocado now, oil ones too. Now bigger brands will make those products, and they're pretty widely available in places like Minneapolis at yep. the very least. Yep. That's because of consumer demand. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because we're looking for an alternative, and then those alternatives will appear. Mm-hmm. So so just keep keep looking for what you need. Keep on plugging away, looking for what you need. Yep. Ignoring the things you don't. Yeah. Um, that's what I have. That's what I have. Ah. Oh, the last thing I wanted to mention, this is like, not, this doesn't really have anything to do with this subject, but like, there's a whole community of vegan bodybuilders. Yep. And I just find it to be so fascinating because... Um, like it, well, it just, it's fascinating to me that that's like a huge community. 
hmm. is vegan bodybuilders. Like, I don't know why. Really? That really sparks me. Huh. But, uh, yeah, so if you're, if you're curious about that, there's a lot of blogs you can read about mm-hmm. vegan bodybuilders and, like, what they do for their lifestyle. So if you're somebody who's, like, trying to put on muscle and you are also trying to keep a vegan lifestyle, like, you should check those people out. Yeah. They'll help you out. They'll help you understand what you can eat. It seems like a lot of them eat, like, pancakes. <laughs> I would say, too, um, to me it makes a lot of sense because there are people who are trying to find, like, peak health. And that's a big right. reason why a lot, I think a lot of people choose a vegan or kind of meat-free style of eating because they want to achieve closer to peak health. So to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, vegan bodybuilding, they're both trying to get peak something here. Why not just throw them together? I guess it's just like I always associate bodybuilding with steroids. And, Uh well, that's, eh. (laughs) yeah, and it's still vegan. No, a lot of the the mm. vegan bodybuilders do, like, natural raw bodybuilding. Yeah. But, like, you normally, like, normally I associate bodybuilding with steroids and, like, lots of supplements. Like, and supplements that are. And lots of meat, lots of protein. Yeah. Yep, Yep. So I think it's fascinating that there are all these vegan bodybuilders out there and there's a whole community of them right. and it, a lot of it is also like based on Rastafarianism too mm-hmm. so there's like that connection to like there's a religious connection there yeah I don't know dive in it's very interesting yeah it's a, it's an awesome subject and and if you know anyone who's a vegan bodybuilder let's uh I would love to them interview up. them hook them up with us because we will totally talk to them and again none of this is coming from a place of judgment like it's just I think it's a lot of curiosity because people yeah. can do so many different things and that's amazing yeah it's really cool because they have their own bodies. Yeah. Because you have your own body. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So next week, you should definitely tune in because we are bringing on a little ray of sunshine known as Taj Ruler. Um, we're doing an interview with her um, about her own like journey through health and fitness. Um, so tune in for that. And in the meantime, thank you, Taj, just for being this little the arrow through my heart. Yeah. Wait. Oh, is that a bad thing? Taj is Taj is like the uh, the avocado oil potato chips oh, that you never so knew good. you could have, and then there they are, so tasty <laughs> in the aisle. So tasty. Um, great. So thank thanks for listening. Review us on iTunes. We would love that. We'll so give you much. a shout out too when you do. Yeah, find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Uh, just follow us around. Mm-hmm. We'll hold you in our little pockets. Yeah, you're our pocket buddy. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. Thanks for tuning in to the You Have a Body Podcast. Bye. The You Have a Body Podcast is produced by me, Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit noisepicnic.com for full episode information. Join in on the conversation at facebook.com slash you have a body podcast. Tweet at us at you have a body or find us on Instagram at you have a body podcast. Let us know what's going on with you because guess what? You have a body.